Nelly, what was your take? Just um, you're glad it's over. Yeah, I'm glad that Wisconsin finished above 500. They won their bowl. They kept the axe. And basically, let's turn the page to 2021. Turn the page. Bob Seger or Metallica, doesn't matter. Both are good songs. RJ, what was your final um, thought process on the season that was for the Wisconsin Badger football team? Uh, like most in the country, I mean, you had some issues with COVID, and you came out on top after you know a few struggles in the middle of the season after some cancellations and disruptions to your your season but um ultimately you beat you know teams with winning records <laughs> so watching that when we were watching that game you know I was kind of uh <clears throat> starting to call for Chase Wolf a little bit Remember when I was in the break? Yeah. Like, I'm like, dude, where's Chase Wolf? I can't. Graham Mer- Mertz mania is kind of worn off on me. Then you me. called for Danny Vanderbilt. And then Chase Wolf ca- came in and hoofda. Uh, that was a. Uh, well, because Mertz got lit up on that one play. What was yeah. that? The second quarter. Mm-hmm. And then Chase Wolf came in and um, <laughs> that interception was brutal. That was bad. And then that's when I called for Danny Vandenboom. I, I really still don't understand. Uh, the two times they've had him throw deep, he hasn't had to. In two straight plays, they gained 12 yards Ugh. running the ball. Ugh. And then they said, you know what? Let's throw a pass. <laughs> and we all saw then it happen. you go back to just the game before while he was in, and Garrett Groshek was gaining seven, eight, nine yards of carry. Yep. You get to midfield, and you say, you know what? Let's throw a pass because it's not a tie game or anything. Let's see what happens if we can just, you know, extend the field when we don't really have to because our running back is getting a first down almost every other play. But, you know. (sighs) Well, it's uh, even different when you have your top two receivers out too. Right? Well, not according to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) We're just making fun of Florida. Um, But, dude, Chase Wolf and this, uh, yeah, he was in the Mertz came back, and Mertz really didn't do anything. I mean, I know he had those two quarterback sneaks, and he threw for a touchdown, but still it was the play of the defense that set all that up. Yeah, Yeah. Wisconsin scored 42 points against Wake Forest yesterday, and it still felt like the offense didn't look very good. Yeah. I mean, it really didn't, but you don't have to when you have a short field. Yeah, right. When your average starting position in the second half starts going down to, like, the plus 20-yard line <laughs> instead of your minus 20, you, you don't really need offense. <laughs> you're going to have a good time, not a bad time. Well, I remember when the it was um, – were you up there when Scott Nelson almost returned that all the way to the house? Um, what was no, that? that was one of the ones I was not Remember when for. they were like um, Nelson's buddy Stick, the Badgers were at like the one-yard line, and then it took like five minutes for them just to get into the end zone. Was that the second quarter? Yeah, that was the second quarter. Yeah. I was like, why can't you just punch this ball in? It just took forever. It took literally five. Wisconsin was it was five yards or less to the end zone, and it took them over five minutes of time for them to get the ball into the end zone. The offense is just. But that's Wisconsin's style of football anyway. I know, but you're literally like, you're freaking one yard away. They take their time. Uh, they even, do. even in a two-minute situation, they take their time. It's like, my God. Um, but I don't know. I've never seen the Badgers, even in a close play where something could go to review, I've never seen them ready to get to the line and snap the ball so it can't be okay, reviewed. But one of my biggest questions is, speaking of the offense, I don't understand this at all. I don't know if any of us will ever get the actual answer. The game starts. 
Graham Mertz continues to run back and forth from the sideline to get the plays. Yep. D- don't get it. And then Chase Wolf comes in. Did not. But did not. He took in the signals. Taking the signals. Can someone explain this to me? Well, Nelson, do you know? RJ, do you know? Well, I was in school. The because you were with the football the team starting for five quarterback years. is the one who picks the signals. Because I mean, he's ultimately the guy who's going who's to be taking the, them. Who's taking them? So each play are his signals. Like he decides what you know, moose ears or like what TikTok dancing are yeah, going to do. Right. It, it, if he likes TikTok dances and those are his signals, great. Um, I was trying to do the Grease Lightning. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, that means at least Chase Wolf knows his, his signals. Graham Mertz's signals maybe better Graham than Mertz Graham Mertz. Maybe Graham Mertz just likes to trot. He should get an extra conditioning and extra cardio in. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But it's <laughs> He's just trying to get odd. his heart rate up. It, it, it is odd. And it was nothing that we saw before Indiana. No, I know. I, I don't. I'm like, how come Chase Wolf doesn't need to run to the sidelines, but Graham Mertz, who's the starting quarterback, needs to run back and forth from the sideline? Well, and the other thing. Don't get it. Danny Vandenboom takes off his mask to relay the play in. <laughs> yes. You have a perfect cover of them not being able to, like, pick up on anything. But let's take that down and tell you what are, play to put in. Do you think, are there people looking and, and trying to steal? You guys had a, a designated sign stealer, right? Yeah. Yeah. There are. There are guys Did you who, guys have a lip readers? Uh, no. Did some guy get good at reading lips, though? Maybe. I don't know. Were you? No. Read my lips, RJ. Wow. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think you were. That seemed to come from a deep personal place. Read them again. <laughs> oh, you heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to say the F word to you in my I'm first sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just don't understand why Graham Mertz has to run back and forth from the sideline, which we didn't see all the way up until Rowdy's point, the Indiana game. Mm-hmm. And then it's, I don't know, whatever. But that defense, <laughs> all right, so the defense, the offense, a lot left to be desired. What did, Nelson, do you want to say what you said to RJ uh, off air about the running back oh, room? I was like, yeah, I just. When did we talk? So <laughs> we talked briefly. Watching Wisconsin football basically since 98. I just feel like this is the worst running back room Wisconsin has ever had since I started watching. Now, it, it, now, granted, they've had people out. And you can't really see him much. But we have seen Nakia Watson run the football. We did see Jalen Berger run the football about 15 times every game. Uh, Isaac Garendo got snaps. Julius Davis got a few carries. One. <laughs> One. Uh, we had uh, Brady Shipper <laughs> get some carries. I just feel like this is the worst Wisconsin running back room. I've seen since I started watching the Badgers, which is over 20 years ago. Well, no, it's hard to believe it, some of the blogs that cover USC football and Wisconsin football. Yeah, who's coming? Uh, Allegedly. Marquise Spree? Spread? Something, something like that. Something like like that. you know how in the past Wisconsin always has at least that one dominant runner, mm-hmm. and then they have at least other guys that can fill roles, Yeah, whether it be third down back. Or like whether when you it have be, a backfield that is all pushing a thousand yards. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you said, you have three guys that are running for a thousand yards, (laughs) but they have multiple horses in that stable. I feel like this year you had Garrett Groshak who did everything that the coaches and the, and the staff wanted him to do. But when you look at it in a normal Wisconsin backfield, I feel like Garrett Groshak is what he is. He's a third down back and a change of pace back. He's a former walk on quarterback. (laughs) According to, I, I don't ever remember him being listed as a quarterback. Just go with it, RJ. Just go with it. But then you have Jalen Berger, who came on the scene, true freshman, and I think everyone is 
pleasantly surprised with how well he played this year, mm-hmm. especially because they limited his carries. But the two guys that they were really depending on were going to be Isaac Garendo and Nakia Watson. Those guys didn't impress me at all this season. They never no. even really even played, which is when, when they did, though, to your point, Rowdy, yes, it was a lot left to be desired. And, and Julius Davis was an in-state recruit that uh, a lot of people had some high hopes for. Like you said, RJ, he had one carry this year. Apparently he's in the doghouse for some reason, and you know when asked about him, they say he's available. Well, boys, good news. I did see um, that he wants to help out Graham Mertz with ball security. I did see that. Because after Graham Mertz... Now, there's some controversy. Did he drop the trophy or did the trophy break while he was dancing with it? That second angle, it looked like it almost like popped apart. Like a, yeah, yeah, like popped off of the crystal Remember stand. Remember when we were describing it? I, I did have a conversation with somebody inside the locker room, and that thing just fell apart. So it's not Graham Mertz's fault? No. Remember when we were describing it yesterday? We're like, oh, it's kind of like the national championship crystal Crystal football, yes, and then it's almost like it's cemented on like the uh, the Super Bowl trophies. Apparently, uh, it was not stand, stand. <laughs> and then they threw like the uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl sticker on it. I think the sticker is what was holding it, hold it together. together. <laughs> this is a bad, some bad adhesive on it, Rowdy. I thought the I thought the trophy originally should have been a jar of mayonnaise after the hey. crystal ball fell off. Yeah, like a crystal jar of mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. after the ball fell off and shattered it into millions of pieces. Use some red gaffer tape. Yeah, first took the red gaffer there. tape, took a squeezable bottle of Duke's mayo and taped it on the, the crystal shaft. I was actually a person from the uh, uh, social media department for the ba- Even better. UW Badgers who threw that on Even there. Even better. <laughs> that's how the trophy should have looked. And that's, uh, you know, they're going to send them a new trophy. Yeah. But I like the one. I think I think they should keep the broken one. And I agree. Put it in, yeah. in the, that, that's in gotta the, go somewhere in the trophy case. I did ask if that's gonna be in the wow room. What'd they say? It. They said a new one's coming. Dude, how cool would so that be though? That, it's like that might get kept in the equipment room. But so the equipment room's a big window. You can just look in and probably be able to see. Are, the, are those that the will be on display one. then? Yeah. I say you put it in there in the trophy case. Don't even ask for the new one. Yeah. This was our trophy from the Duke's Mayo Bowl. This was 2020. <laughs> I, I, the, I, I the new crystal one. I completely agree with our guy Nelly over there. It should be the taped red gaff tape squeezable bottle of Duke's Mayo on the crystal stand. That is the trophy that should be displayed from here on out. And then you have every player on the team sign it and maybe like in black Sharpie you just put the the 42-28 score. Yeah. The Badgers capped off, the football team that is capped off a win Saw that. in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Winning's my favorite. Alright, so did Scott Nelson score in that interception? I swear there was green. Well, they never, did, I, did they show? I, I don't. They I never think show it, a good angle. Yeah, I think it was the right call because you couldn't really tell if he was in or not, and they already ruled him out. So you got to stand. You yeah. got to stick with the, what was called. Don't you usually let that go? Yeah, and then the, the rule score in. gets reviewed. Yeah, that's what I thought. They were just. Uh, it, it all just came down on that one to what they called. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of Scott Nelson, he well, talks on. Yes. He also missed two pick sixes because. Two guys couldn't make a cutback. Yes. Uh, Scott Nelson talks right here about uh, the Badgers overcoming that 14 to nothing hole. Playing off of each other, Coach Chris says it all the time. Defense helps offense, offense helps defense, and special teams was huge today. So a big team win. I think definitely whenever you're down 14 nothing, it, it can be kind of deflating, but kind of just sticking to it and understanding, like, just keep playing. Our time will come, make, make some plays, and get the win. What I was good about the Wisconsin Badgers is they didn't get they didn't get shook like they didn't get like 
outside of a kick return, was the special teams good? That 16-yard punt was, was pretty say, bad. Wasn't there like a 15-yard punt? Nelson, I know your buddy, your, one of your favorite Badgers of all time was what, Anthony Lottie? Was that one of your favorite Badgers of all time, the punter? Second favorite. Second favorite. What about, what did you think of that 16-yard punt yesterday? Was that uh, Vukovic? Sure. I'll say he this. got replaced after that. <laughs> I'll say this. So. At least he <laughs> caught the football. <laughs> uh, here's more from uh, Scotty Nelson on getting the bowl win. Uh, I mean, anytime you get to send the seniors out, I think is the biggest thing. And, and fin- finishing the season on a win, another huge thing. Going into the offseason, no matter what it is, going into the offseason, feeling like you were able to build some momentum at the end, I think is a huge thing for us. So great to, to send the seniors out and the guys leaving out like that. Yeah, it's a good way to end on a high note. RJ, were you involved with uh, – any bowl losses when the seniors ended on a loss? Yep. What was it like in the locker room with uh, sending them out with a loss? Or was it just like, all right, we're done with the season. I'm, I'm out of here. It's like dead silent. Is it? You, the people go do their media. Um, you hop on the bus back to the hotel. And yeah. That, Is it just like everyone, you can feel it like the, not tension, but everyone feels kind of just kind of down? Yeah, pretty much. And they're like, and, all right, I'm out of here, dude. Because you can leave, you can go home. You don't have to travel back with the team, right, after the right, bowl game? Right, but it all depends on, because, yeah, the uh, you you get, like, a per diem to buy your plane ticket home or whatnot or bus or, you know, what, or if you're leaving with your family. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to take the charter flight back home. Gotcha. You can go from bowl destination to home home. All right, so the defense yesterday, despite that first quarter, after that the defense was uh, just banging, man. Four interceptions. Jack Sanborn was a total beast. Uh, big plays after big plays. Team high, 11 tackles, two tackles for loss. He had one of the interceptions. Sanborn talks about how uh, he's proud of this team. I'm proud of everyone on this team and how they came out and just competed their asses off and just wanted to get better and wanted to improve yeah. this team. And uh, Yeah, it showed today. I mean, guys just making plays everywhere. It seemed on offense defense special teams even so uh, and every play was needed every play was crucial uh more from sanburn about this year as a whole it's been adversity and handling adversity since before the season actually even started and then it got canceled then it came back so i mean it's something that just throughout the year we've all had to learn just bounce back just keep on pushing and then uh yeah um and continuing on from sanborn who had one of the four interceptions he talks about the interceptions wake forest they were doing a great job early in the game but you know, they're running a lot of the same concepts over and over again. And uh, so, you know, credit to the film study of the players, the coaches, and really helping us out, really giving us the opportunity to go out there and make the play with where we should look, where our eyes should be. And, you know, guys stepped up and made those plays. Uh, Colin and Scott just got to get in the end zone next time. I think our man Rowdy over here is moonlighting as a as film study for the Badgers because he sniffed it out too, what Sanborn was just saying. Well, I mean, so I was sitting there watching the game with my dad, and, and after the first half, you entered the third quarter, and Wake was still kind of throwing pretty much. I, I finally turned after they completed a couple slants in a row, and I, I look at my dad and I go, how many more slants and stops are they going to run until <laughs> the Wisconsin corners figure out what they're doing? Because when you looked at what they did to move the football pretty much the whole first half were slants, stops, and then the occasional deep post and go route. That was all they were doing. And you were like, how in the heck is this Wisconsin defense just getting burned on third down on a, on the, the basic slant every single time? Yeah. Well, guess what? I guess in the, the second half they made adjustments because they started jumping the routes. And sorry, Hartman, but well, four oof. picks in the game. A oof. couple of them were just sitting there. Yeah. yeah. Like they didn't even have to move. Yeah. Um, who was it? Burks? 
Yeah, didn't. Yeah, yeah, he got one. Yeah, he, he didn't move. The guy ran right past him to to the point where the ball was supposed to. Well, be. how about Hartman had you know? one interception coming into that game, and then yeah. it was inter- boom, 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 boom. Like he just kept giving well, the ball well, away. Three consecutive drives. Yeah, right? boom, and then boom, boom. One a little. Well, later. you look at you look at uh, how Wake, especially early in the game, they continued to pick up third and longs. Yeah, with basic slants or deep posts, and you're like. They're running yeah. the same plays over and over. When are you going to stop this? <laughs> Jimmy Leonard, you're the mind out there. Please stop the yeah. slam. Speaking of Burks, Maybe he was just throwing the game so people stopped asking him to come be their coach. Yeah, maybe. Uh, how about this, though, RJ? Uh, you brought up Burks. Burks talks about his interception and the reaction he had on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt a lot of juice after that. You know, guys running around getting excited on the sideline, which Bring is always great to see, you know, because uh, turnovers are such a huge momentum changer. So to be able to bring that to our side of the ball was just great, and it was great to see the guys fired up about it, too. So not only was our guy Nelson over here breaking down the film for the Badgers, were you on the hotline of Jimmy Leonard at halftime? Were you like, yo, Jimmy, they keep running these slants and stops, dude. We got we to gotta adjust because no, at halftime i had to put my phone down oh that was more first quarter because because burks here's more one more comment from burke before we hit break then we'll talk some graham mertz burke says it was the film study that was uh credited for the interceptions yes i mean throughout our film study on the week uh i mean we got a pretty good sense of where guys were going to be and we knew this game was going to rely a lot on the hook player um, and really being able to grab things on the hashes. So, you know, we were patient with it at first. And then once the looks we wanted started showing up, you could see the guys were locked in because we were able to capitalize on top of that. So there you go, Rowdy. I mean, I think you can moonlight for the Wisconsin Badgers on film study. I you, you tweeted well, it out. I don't think it was that difficult when I think they <laughs> ran four four different uh, routes the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and part of that, I think, the early success they had, and, you know, there were – spots in there where they broke plays after the first two drives but uh i i do believe the defense still scripts a few plays just to see what happens against certain looks yeah um if they stop doing that 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 could be because i mean i wasn't there when jim leonard was there obviously outside of being a player yeah he was still in the um, nfl then but they have always scripted plays just to see what kind of just to see what it does just to see what it does so um <laughs> Yeah, th- that could attribute to some of the early success we saw both to start the game and after the Badgers went three and out to start the second half. I think if they would have started sitting on those routes, probably oh. after the the first possession where they really started going yeah. down the field, I think we might have gotten the under. Yeah, I will come back. Probably would have. Yes, the Packers versus the Bears on Sunday. But before that, something that Packer fans have been clamoring about for a long time is Brian Gutekunst, pick up the damn phone and go get this guy for some help. Defensive lineman Damon Snacks Harrison. Well, he made waivers. He claimed them. Packers claimed them. What does this mean for the Packers, Rowdy? Former Seahawks Snacks Harrison coming to the green and gold. They had a little beef in that line. What do you think, man? What do you think? Well, do you remember back when the Packers were kind of linked, or a lot of Packer fans were wanting them to go out and get Snacks Harrison. Yep. And he kind of came out and said, I don't want to play in a cold weather yes. stadium. I don't want to play for a cold weather team. He goes, I don't like the cold. Yeah, he said he wanted to play for a Super Bowl contender and not in the cold. So he really was limiting his options. And for some reason, the team that he decided to sign with was the Seahawks. Yeah. Like, it still gets cold in Seattle. It's just rainy. It's not snow. It, it snows sometimes, but it's more rainy, right? And I guess, yeah, they're they're definitely a Super Bowl contender. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, you know, season, maybe it didn't go exactly as he wanted it to. 
You see the Packers are probably the team to beat in the NFC. Uh-huh. And he gets cut. And they go, well, maybe I can do the cold for about a month or two. I'm going to sign with the Packers. Well, what's that say about the Packers? He said, I want a Super Bowl contender, but not in the cold. Well, in the NFC, we're always talking about who is the clear-cut team? Who is the best team out of the NFC? Who is the one with the target on their back? Well, if you go by Damon Snacks Harrison, he says, okay, I can deal with the cold because the Packers are the team in the NFC. They're the team to compete for the Super Bowl. So Damon Snacks Harrison sees himself. I mean, it's would you consider it ring chasing? I mean, to a degree, you, yeah. Would, as good as you can do it, I guess. In the NFL, yeah. when you straight up came out and said, "Well, I don't want to play <laughs> for a team that's bad. I want to play for a Super Bowl contender, and it can't be cold." Yes, you're really pinholing yourself into where you can play. And he said, "Okay, well." um, I guess the playoffs, if they win, if the Packers beat the Bears, the playoffs will go through Green Bay. Last time I checked, Rowdy, Snacks Harrison's, like you and I just said, he didn't want to play in the cold, but last time I checked, come playoff football, it's in the colder months, and Green Bay, of all the cities, I think, in uh, the NFL, wouldn't you say Green Bay probably would be, I don't know, the coldest? Yeah, if not the coldest, one of the coldest. And if the Packers win on Sunday... They'll have home field advantage. The number one seed in the playoffs will run through Lambeau. So you'll be playing in Lambeau all January. In the coldest months, potentially, when you would be playing. So therefore, Snacks Harrison said, I'm looking at you Packers as the team that I want to be with that's going to win the Super Bowl. Now, did the Green Bay Packers just acquire Reggie White? No. Will Snacks Harrison make them a better football team? Maybe a little bit. If anything, it adds depth to the defensive line, right? Yeah, that's something they need. He's not going to make them any worse. Yeah, I, I I like it. I mean, you know, clearing waivers, coming to the Packers, uh, absolutely love it. He did tweet at some, uh, some account tweeted at him saying, I assume there was a short list of teams that knew if they claimed him, he'd actually play for them. He was scheduled to meet with Green Bay after he met with us a few months ago, so I assume they're one of those teams. And Snacks Harrison responded to this guy who um, – is a Packers fan account and said, bingo. So Snacks is like, yep, I'm coming, baby. Let's go. Let's get her going. He's 32 years old, ready to, ready to, you know, help the Packers out on a hopefully long run of the playoffs and hoisting Lombardi's trophy. Yeah. He adds a, a defensive guy in the middle there. It'll help out Kenny Clark on the defensive line, veteran presence mm-hmm. guy. That's probably, well, not probably a little past his prime, but still, it's at least a serviceable NFL player, and it's an upgrade to some of the guys that the Green Bay has been uh, moving in and out on that defensive line. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm, I dig it, man. I'm, a, I'm all for it. Sounds good. I know Packer fans are really happy about it because I heard them clamoring nonstop about getting Snacks Harrison. So, yeah, there you go. There's a little update for you. Packers getting a little beef up on that line. But how about the, uh, the other side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball? Aaron Rodgers, we've been talking a lot about him. He was with the media yesterday. And Rodgers was talking about how excited he is for uh, the final regular season game in Soldier Field. Here's Rodgers on the It'll Bears. It'll be a lot more fun, candidly, with fans there, for sure. I mean, I, I have an appreciation for those fans. They're, they're, it's a great sports town, and I've really enjoyed playing there over the years. And, you know, we've, we've had some big ones. We've had some tough losses, too. You know, it's 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 always uh, going to be a struggle in that stadium. And I do have a lot of respect for uh, the organization, the fan base, uh, and their team, and, and I'm excited about the test this week. I just want to have Rodgers say this one part. One more time. Town, and I've really enjoyed playing there over the years. I've really enjoyed playing there over the years. Aaron Rodgers owns 
the Green Bay Packers. In fact, speaking of Soldier Field, uh, I saw this yesterday. Uh, or, yeah, yesterday, but this actually happened on this day in history, December 29th of 2013. At Soldier Field, your Green Bay Packers. I want everyone to take a listen, and here's what happened um, on this day in history two days ago and seven years ago. Check it out. Well, this is it, Rock, the season. Rodgers in the shotgun, three receivers left, one to the right. Rodgers gets the snap. Blitz is on. Rodgers scrambles He's left, winds up, right Bob. He's got Cobb at the 10 to the 5, yes. to the end zone. Touchdown and a dagger. Oh, my goodness. An NFC North Division championship Ooh. dagger of 47 yards. Well, this is Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers likes playing at uh, Soldier Field, Rowdy. That's one of my favorite Packer memories of all time. Rodgers scrambling out of the pocket, uh, avoiding the sack. There's about, what, 40 seconds left on the clock. Hits Randall Cobb for the Wayne Larvey dagger and an NFC North championship. Yeah, and we don't even have to go that far back to just remember when Aaron Rodgers came out, hurt his leg. Yeah. And then came back in and then absolutely destroyed the Bears on the opening NFL game of the year. What yep. was that in 2000 and was that 18, 19? Yeah, that 18? was, yeah. yeah. And then 18. he was all hopped up on, uh, yeah. on Tordidol. He had the crazy eyes. Yeah, he was all like, uh, uh, he was like probably like transcending different planes of consciousness with all the drugs in his body. And that was right when they acquired um, Khalil Mack and they were making such a big deal about it because if you remember, yep. obviously a lot of Packer fans, they were hoping Gutekunst would go out and get Khalil Mack. Yeah. Bears pulled the trigger, traded away. Some some draft capital, and then Aaron Rodgers comes back in with supposedly a broken leg. Later, we find out later in the season. Yeah, yeah, he had a broken and leg and was unconscious to come back and and lead the Packers to victory. I love it, man. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is just a juggernaut this season, and it's so awesome that he gets to end it at a place where he owns the team, the Chicago Bears. I want to say I'm pretty sure this is maybe we'll get the research department on it, but I think. The first game ever for Matt Nagy as the Chicago Bears head coach was against the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers beat them. And now, on Sunday, will be potentially the last game ever for Matt Nagy as the Chicago Bears head coach. You think I don't they're going to get, get rid of Matt Nagy if they lose? Potentially. I mean, a loss doesn't necessarily put them out of the playoffs. Obviously, if True. Arizona loses, then the Bears would still be in as that seventh seed. Well, I saw Kyler Murray's playing for the Cardinals, right? I saw that yesterday. But, but yeah. But uh, Matt Matt Nagy, I mean, he had an NFC North division title in 2018. They have had some good times. They've they had some bad times. If they lose and miss the playoffs, do you think they fire Matt Nagy? I don't I don't think so. I don't think so because he rallied he's rallied the team to their current record of eight and seven, so there's no way that they can be below five hundred this That's year. That's true. They still have the chance to make the playoffs. And you look at who's playing quarterback for them. <laughs> Do they get rid of Ryan Pace? And he when he was brought in, he didn't get to choose the quarterbacks. No. It was already Mitch Trubisky. Obviously Ryan Pace brought in Nick Foles. But Stinks. I don't know. I, I almost feel like with what they've done winning a NFC championship or NFC North championship in 2018 and then being failed by their kicker in yeah. the playoffs and then having Mitchell Trubisky being your quote unquote franchise quarterback the whole time you've been there 
and you just got the team to kind of rally around each other this year and get back in the playoff picture, I think you probably should give them at least another year with a new quarterback. <laughs> but who knows? If there's anyone that deserves to be fired in Chicago, it's, it's Ryan, Ryan Pace. Pace. Uh, Matt Nagy has the potential to have his – I don't know what's going to happen. This The potential is there, but I think it would be just hilarious if Rodgers gave him his first loss of his you know head coaching career for the Bears and then his last loss for the head coaching career with the Chicago Bears. Speaking of Rodgers – I mean, he could still do that. It, could, it just might be next year or two years. <laughs> That's true. Speaking of Rodgers and the Bears, here is more from uh, Aaron talking about the game on Sunday. Here you go. Tonight playing Chicago, there's always that little extra that's built in, I think, in the fabric of the organizations from the history history of playing so many damn games against each other and the uh, the mutual feelings that uh, both fan bases have for each other and the grimy games that we've had over the years. So I don't think you need to add any extra motivation to this game. We both have something to play for. We're playing for the one seed. They're playing for their playoff lives. So there's a lot at stake for both squads. Yeah, more from Rodgers and what's at stake. This is big Chicago against Little Green Bay, and I've always enjoyed the rivalry. I have a love and appreciation for the history of this game and know how important this rivalry is to both fan bases. Couldn't be uh, any better matchup this week, like I said, with them playing for their playoff lives, us playing for the number one seed in that stadium where we've had success, but it's a tough place to play. No fans in the stands, obviously. So, you know, and Rodgers and the Packers, that offense have thrived with no fans in the stands. I mean, Rodgers is the king of, you know, like the cadence. They're having guys jump off sides. So uh, that's, uh, you know, Arsenal, a little trick in his uh, up his sleeve there. But you know what else is at stake, Rowdy? Not only, you know, number one seed in the NFC, wrapping it up for the Packers, have the playoffs run through Lambeau, but also Rodgers and getting a third MVP. Yeah, it's huge. He already mentioned it. Bears are fighting for their playoff life. Well, the Packers are fighting for the number one seed. Yeah, The Packers are and Aaron Rodgers himself, are fighting for an MVP trophy. Yeah, and speaking of that, here is Rodgers on the potential of winning a third MVP. If Rodgers has a, what do you think, if Rodgers has a decent decent to good, I mean, if he has a great game, yes, but if Rodgers has a decent to good game, is he the still getting shoot in here for I think, MVP? I think he's got to be 100% the MVP because you don't know how much Mahomes is playing. Yeah, I don't think Mahomes is going to play at Andy all. Andy Reid has said that he might not play. Yeah. If he doesn't play... Just an okay game from Aaron Rodgers is just going to add to those statistics. I think the only way you could see if Mahomes doesn't play. I don't think he's playing. The only way. Yeah, Chad, Chad Henney's getting the start. Yeah. The only way that uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't win the MVP is if he just has a disaster of a game where he throws like two or three interceptions. Not happening. Can't throw for 200 yeah. yards. The Packers lose. And all of a sudden, it's almost like the, the sky is falling. Yeah. Or else I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is the shoe in here. Yeah, uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid said it. Kansas City Chiefs Twitter account tweeted it out uh, 18 hours ago. Chad Henney will get the start this weekend against the Chargers for the Chiefs. So therefore, Aaron Rodgers will not have to, um, you know, have a potential onslaught, offensive onslaught for Patrick Mahomes. It's Rodgers and Rodgers alone. It's up to him. You know when the number one seed and the MVP is on the line. Aaron Rodgers is going to come in there looking to slit the Bears' throats. Yeah, here is Rodgers on the potential of winning a third MVP. It wouldn't mean a lot to me. So not many guys have done it. That's, you know, being a part of history is pretty special. You know, it's the other, the personal part of it where just proving to myself again the level that that I can play at, you know, a couple years where, although I feel like I played well, the results didn't always line up with how I felt like I was playing. So it's nice to have everything line up the way it has this year and to be very efficient throwing the football to take care of the football the way I've taken care of it. All right, so there you go. We'll have our Packer insider Rob Reichel coming up here. Um, we got to get him on from Forbes.com. You know how in professional football they go, everyone's really good. Everyone's a professional for a reason. They're all getting paid. Yeah. 
And then you look around and it goes, sometimes it just comes down to motivation. Mm -hmm. Well, both teams are playing for motivation. We've spelled that out for both sides. But then you look at the most important part of a, of a football team in the NFL these days, and it's the quarterback. Yeah. And I know Aaron Rodgers is doubly motivated. And yeah, Mitchell Trubisky, Trubisky's got to be motivated because they can make the playoffs and they need a win. But here's the thing. I don't care if Mitch Trubisky is motivated or not. I care if Aaron Rodgers is motivated because Aaron Rodgers has the talent to do something about it. Yeah, Mitch Mitchell Trubisky Tr- does not Mitchell have Mitchell Trubisky could be as motivated as he wants. He's still just not a good quarterback. Aaron Rodgers has more talent in a hangnail than Mitchell Trubisky does in his whole body. When we get our guy Rob Reichel of Forbes.com on. Robbie, I want to say happy almost New Year's, my friend. Do you have any resolutions before we dive into the Packers for uh, 2021, Rob? I think my resolution is to never talk about 2020 again, Evo. <laughs> let's, just, let's just bury this SOB and, 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 and never bring it up again. Almost, you know, if, if your kids are young enough out there, you, you know, you don't even mention that this year happened, right? You, you know, hopefully it's just a... Hopefully it's only a glitch, Evo, and we're, and we're all back to normalcy somewhere around March, April, May, something like that. A little glitch in the matrix, Robbie. You know the uh, the it's, simulation is glitching a little bit this year. It's been a rough. It's been a rough nine or ten months since the world shut down in what mid March. Right. So, I feel like we're still in fifteen yes. days to slow the spread, but here we are. You know. Uh, Rob, my resolution, just personally, and I already do this to begin with, but I'm going to hammer it home even more because I think it helps to being a healthy individual really helps with. Um, you know, life in general of uh, viruses and diseases and whatnot. I'm going to eat more vegetables, drink more water, get more sleep, and I already had this as my resolution in 2020, but I'm going to carry it to 2021. Don't be a wussy. That's that's the main one right there, Rob. Don't be a wussy. Well, that's a great one because the wussification of society has just been remarkable, hasn't it, in the last in the last 10 to 20 years? We we, we could do a whole show on that, Evo. I, I know you don't want to. Don't want to go down that road, but I, I can't imagine Man, I a, a, a more perfect resolution. <laughs> and to be honest, Evo, you're one of the last people that that needed to put that on your list. I could, I could, I could throw together a list of about a thousand people pretty quickly that that <laughs> that, that, that 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 should sign up for that list. Because well, yep, Rob. I mean, I appreciate it, man. I would not put you on that list either. Uh, neither is Nelson. But I think it's something that people need to do. It's like you know, let's let's sack up a little bit and put our nose to the grindstone and get stuff done. Speaking of getting stuff done, Robbie, how about the NFC number one seed on the line for the Green Bay Packers? Before we talk about that against the Bears, did that game against the Tennessee Titans answer a lot of questions for us Packer fans? I think it did, especially when you consider the game was absolutely meaningless and irrelevant from a Packers standpoint, Evo, in terms of playoff positioning. I mean, they, they could have lost that game and, and still been the number one seed with a with a win against the Titans. So when you, or I'm sorry, with a win against the Bears. So when you when you think about that Titans game, Evo, I mean, Green Bay really didn't have a lot to play for, and they and they just came out and and, and they out physical them, they out they out executed them. Uh, I mean, Green Bay, uh, no turnovers, no penalties. Um, I, you know, I, I think according to Elias, that was the first time that that's happened since Elias has, has started to keep those stats. Um, they, did they take away Derrick Henry? You know, almost yes, Evo. I mean, and I didn't think that was possible. Right. They, they certainly slowed him to a crawl, um, you know, 98 yards or whatever it was for Henry and about four and change for carry. We were sitting here last week saying, you know, can they keep him under six yards to carry and, you know, 175 or something like that. And so, 
you know, you, you, you give Mike Patton a ton of credit for the game plan he put together, first of all, Ebo. It was completely the opposite of the game plan <laughs> that they carried into San Francisco 11 months ago, right, when the 49ers ran the ball down their throat for 285 yards. He, he went big up front um, with, with five defensive linemen a lot of the times instead of his basic 3-4, Ebo. Um, he, put his, he put his corners on an island and said, go win, and they did. Um, you know, they, they, in essence, played eight in the box to take away Henry, and to the, to the surprise of a lot of people, I think, Ebo, um, they took him away. You saw the emergence of Dylan uh, in the run game. Rodgers was crystal, you know, amazingly sharp again. Probably jumped into the lead for MVP. So, no, I mean, top to bottom, Ebo, Green Bay couldn't have put together a, a better football game. If, if they play like that, Ebo, they'll win the NFC and um, probably have a, a 50-50 shot against the Chiefs. I still insist the Chiefs are the best team in the league, and they just haven't been all that interested the last month. And if anybody has the capabilities of flipping a switch and turning it on, you know, and, and going and scoring 40 points in any, game, in any game they play, it's the Chiefs. But um, I'll tell you what, if Green Bay plays like they did a week ago against Tennessee, that, you know, that'll be a field goal game against the Chiefs to win, to win the Lombardi Trophy. Rob, are we going to get a, a Super Bowl preview already, hearkening uh, back to Super Bowl One, Packers-Chiefs? That would be pretty uh, special, man. That would be pretty awesome to see. I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, okay? Let's, just, let's, let's go back a little bit. Rob, A.J. Dillon and that game he had against the Tennessee Titans, I mean, I know uh, what Aaron Jones still had almost 100 yards on 10 carries. A.J. Dillon was a, a monster, though. Speaking of those two backs, though, Next year, with what A.J. Dillon did against the Tennessee Titans, are we going to be seeing, is this the you know going to be the end of Aaron Jones wearing a green and gold uniform, and it's not going to be maybe Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon or A.J. Dillon and some rookies? What do you think? It's probably even the latter there, Evil. It could, it, I think the better odds say A.J. Dillon, if Dexter Williams, for example, is still hanging around guys like him, and then they draft another one maybe in like round three or something like that, just – just cap-wise, I mean, we, we've talked about this on your show before. The Bakhtiari deal sent them about $10, $11 million over the cap already for next year, and, and they've still got to get Lindsley, King, Jones done. I, I don't think they'll get any of the three, but those are the big ones on, you know, kind of in line to get done. I, I would rank them in order of importance. Clearly Aaron Jones, number one, Lindsley, two, and, and Kevin King, three. I'll tell you what, Evo, moving forward, if they were able to find a way to get Aaron Jones done, that combination, and let's just assume Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams is somewhere else next year because I think somebody is going to give him, you know, uh, some money to at least carry the ball 15 times. He may not be your starter, but he's probably part of a, you know, a backfield committee where he's going to get the ball 150, 175 times through the course of the season, Evo. But, you know, let's let's flip it to Jones. If if Jones and Dylan are your backfield a year from now, and, and really moving forward, because if they, they lock up Jones, it's, it's, it's going to be on probably a four-year deal. So you'd get three years together then of Dylan and Jones. And I'm telling you what, Evo, I, I don't know who out there is going to have a better tandem in the league than that. Um, I'm actually going to be just fascinated to watch here when, when Jamal Williams comes back uh, this week or for the postseason has A.J. Dillon jumped him now? Is, is, that, is that the horse that they want to want to ride here into the postseason and team him with Aaron Jones and maybe give both Jones and Dillon 15, 15 carries a game, maybe Jones a few more than that. But um, I, what, what you saw last week from Dillon 
it, you know, Evo, I talked to a number of scouts heading yeah. into the draft, and the, and, the, and the opinion was really mixed. I mean, there were guys that threw out the name Derrick Henry, and, and they felt very confident that A.J. Dillon was going to be, you know, a, 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 a maybe just a slightly lesser version of, of Derrick Henry. There were others that said Dillon was completely overrated and all that, <laughs> all that Henry talk was nonsense. Well, I'm telling you, after, after he totally outperformed Derrick Henry the other night, and he, you know, on, on the Tennessee sideline, you, you have to look at it like it, 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 the odds are going to be pretty good that, that this is going to be a thousand plus yard back moving forward. You team him with Aaron Jones and you can keep them both healthy heading into postseason. You can extend the career of Rodgers, first of all. Second, when Jordan Love takes over Evo, you know, you, you, you've got a built in top three to five run game moving forward with an inexperienced quarterback. Um, I mean, I, again, I, I think Aaron Jones is getting $13 million somewhere, and, he, and he's going to be playing elsewhere next year. But I'll tell you what, if Gutekunz can get that done, and, and that's your running back tandem moving forward, other than maybe Cleveland, I, I, I don't know who's got a better duo yeah. in football. And, and you're, you're going to keep winning a lot of games with those two guys. Either. Robbie, you're getting me fired up, man. Rob Reichel from Forbes.com joining us. All right, Rob, there's nothing that I say. A lot of people say Packers and Vikings, that's their biggest rival. Uh, Bears, for me, is the one that really gets my blood pumping. Uh, there's nothing better to me than the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and all the way back to Brett Favre going down the Soldier Field and just punking the Chicago Bears. It just makes my heart smile. It's like, oh, my God, I love it. Robbie, Sunday, Packers, NFC number one seed on the line, Aaron Rodgers, MVP on the line. What do you think happens at Soldier Field? Evo, what are you, about 30? I am, how old am I? I'm 32. All I've known really, is Bear domination. You, 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 are, you are so lucky because all you have seen in this Bears-Packers rivalry uh, dating back to 1992, which would have made you about four at that time, is, is just Green Bay dominance. Brett Favre was twenty-two and ten in this rivalry. Aaron Rodgers, amazingly, is twenty and five. Oof. Evo, I mean that that's an eight hundred winning Oof. percentage. And one of those games he got knocked out of on the first drive when they broke his collarbone. So they've won seventy-four percent of the games since Brett Favre, you know, against Chicago <laughs> since Brett Favre took over Evo in uh, in nineteen ninety-two. I expect Sunday to be just the same. Um, you, you you have you have seen a resurgence of the Bears' offense, thirty plus points now in four straight games with, with Trubisky. Um, we we know how good their defense is. They they've made a complete commitment to the running game at David Montgomery. And and I'll be honest, even mid season, I I think I said on this show or, or somewhere else that I thought David Montgomery was pedestrian. Um, I, I'm completely wrong on that. He he's proven to be. You know, up back in that range of say eight to twelve in, in the National Football League, which is a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Um, so, so Chicago undoubtedly has it has it all rolling, Evo. But, but I'll tell you what, that that's not going to be enough against Green Bay. Um, but with the way the Packers have played here, um, on uh, well, let's throw out special teams at least in two <laughs> facets of the game, Evo. I mean, the the, the defense has risen now, Evo, and. and you know, all the people that want to beat up on the defense and Mike Pettin year after year and, and week after week, the defense has actually jumped up to number seven. Um, they've, they've made major strides, I think, in the run game. The, the addition yesterday of, of Damon Harrison, I don't think it'll help them this week, but it's probably going to help them a little bit in the, in the playoffs, beef up that run defense um, even more. You, you, in all likelihood, Evolf Rogers has a day where he throws two touchdowns and has a passer rating of 90 He's going to win the MVP. So you've, you, you've got the MVP quarterback, the best receiver in football, you know, probably the best offensive line in football. I think it's going to be too much. 
uh, for Chicago, even though Chicago's got everything on the line and the Bears are fighting to get into the playoffs, too. Um, I, I think Green Bay beats them 27-20, Ebo, and keeps them out of the playoffs. Rob, um, before I let you go, my brother, do you think that Matt Nagy is – because Aaron Rodgers handed him his first loss ever as the Bears head coach. Do you think Aaron Rodgers will hand him uh, not only the loss but also the end of his career with the Chicago Bears as a head coach? You know, I, I don't know enough about the inner workings of, of the Bears organization. Here's what I would say, and, and, and if that was my team, Evo, this, this is how I would approach it. You look around the league and the teams like Detroit and, and Jacksonville and Cincinnati and the Jets, I mean, the, the cellar dwellers year after year, Evo, turn things over about every three years, about every 36 months. They just say, you know, screw Matt Patricia. This isn't working, right? Bleep so-and-so in Jacksonville. This isn't working here with Adam Gase now in the Jets. And, and, and I'm not making a case that any of those specific guys deserve to keep their job, Evo, especially in a, in a year like this. But the organizations that are turning things over every, every three to four years are the ones that are always back in that same position, right? Wash, yeah. rinse, repeat. That's what the Lions do. That's what the Lions have done here for 30-plus years. I'm a big fan of consistency and stability. You added all those years in Green Bay with Mike McCarthy. Nobody's more consistent and stable uh, than New England, and they win year after year other than you know, this will turn out to be a blip on the radar. They'll get that fixed. No one's more stable than Pittsburgh, which has had you know, three coaches in 50 years, and Tomlin's been there 15. Sean Payton as stable as it gets in New Orleans. Right? These are the franchises that win, and and Nagy starts out 12-4 and four his first year, right, Ebo? Last year they're not as good, although they were still 500. They could still get to 9-7 and seven this year. So you're, you're talking about a guy, Ebo, that's going to be plus 10 in, 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 the, yeah. in, the, in the win-loss category. If I'm Chicago, Ebo, personally, I keep him. Um, I'm just not sure that I would bring the whole band back together with Trubisky and yeah. some of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Robbie, I'm wishing you a very happy New Year, my friends. And real quick... You brought up the name Mike McCarthy. Does Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys squeak into the playoffs out of the NFC East, or is it the football team or the Giants? Who you got, Rob Brachel? I got your man. Yeah, I, Big I, Mike! I, I got Big Mike. I got Big Mac sneaking in at the four. How fun would that be, Bo, if, uh, if he sneaks in at the four, they pull a first-round upset, and then they come to Lambeau. Oh, it'd be beautiful, Rob. It'd be beautiful. Let, 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 yeah, let, let, let's go with uh, right Philly knocking off Washington and Big Mac finding a way to win the season finale. Yep, I've got Dallas, Evo. Hey, Robbie, great things with you in 2020 per usual. Even better in 2021, especially with your work at Forbes.com, at Twitter, at Rob Reichel, and you on these airways, Robbie. We appreciate you. We love you. Happy New Year, my friend. All right, love you guys. Happy uh, Happy New Year to all you guys. Adios. There he is, Rob Reichel. That is our sports director, Zach Heilprin, God's gift to Wisconsin sports. Zach, how are we doing today? Fantastic. Zach, do you have any New Year's resolutions before this uh, year that is 2020 is over? No. Nope, I'm good. <laughs> Sound like RJ. I, I just good. said the same I, thing. No. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel good about 2020, what happened in 2020. It was a, it was a great year. Everything went perfect. <laughs> I don't really think I can. I don't really think anything can improve in 2021. So, well, Zach, yeah, I mean, no, in, in 2020, not only did we grow closer together, which was you know near and dear to my heart. Well, at least I think that, anyways. But you also got a new puppy. How was how was little Dane doing? He's no little. He's not little anymore. No, uh, I haven't seen him in a while. So, what, how man, many pounds has he grown? I need to take him to the to the vet, but picking him up, he kind of he's starting to feel like he's about fifty. So, <laughs> and how big was he when you got him? 
He was 10. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's quick, that. man. Uh, yeah. That's cool. All right, Zach. So speaking of things that are cool, um, I've embraced the chaos. I've embraced it. At first, I scoffed at it, and now I'm thinking to myself, well, what did you want the team to do? You know, go sit in the corner and cry about it, or did you want to go out there and win? Wisconsin Badgers, after a iffy start to the game, are Duke's Mayo Bowl champions. How would you describe that game as a whole for the Wisconsin Badgers? Kind of. I mean, I don't know. I- Maybe it's a little bit too cliche, but it's it's kind of like the whole season. They just had to deal with a ton of adversity and had to overcome it, and they did. I mean, it, getting down to that fourteen nothing hole in Charlotte in thirty some odd degree weather, you could have been like they could have just packed it up and said, "Screw it, we're done." They didn't, and uh, you know that drive right after they got down fourteen to nothing, the offense has been you know we we know the offense has been really struggling for the you know ever since uh, the Michigan game, and that that didn't stop yesterday, but. That drive that they had going for it on fourth and one to get you know in their own in their own territory to get something going and uh, you know that was probably the drive of the game offensively for them and then the defense just started picking passes off left and right largely because of film study they knew exactly what was coming it was right. hilarious afterwards listen to them saying they knew exactly where Hartman wanted to go with the ball and I'm kind of shocked that nobody in the great football conference of the ACC <laughs> knew that uh, they could do that because he had one interception in his first 361 attempts this year and four, I think, in his last, it was either 11 or 12 attempts uh, in that game. So, yeah, it, it was uh, it was an impressive uh, comeback win. Wake Forest is not a good team, but the way that they started out, you could have seen Wisconsin just fold, and they didn't. Yeah, uh, Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now. It was that defense, you know, the first quarter I was beside myself, obviously, because they're in a 14 to nothing hole, and, yeah, they figured it out, you know, the film study. Even Rowdy on Twitter was like, dude, I figured it out. Uh, everyone could see what was happening. But uh, this defense, Zach, is, uh, you know, without this defense, well, obviously the, the Badgers aren't in the game, but looking at the offensive side of the ball, do you know the answer to this? I don't know if you do or not. I'm just curious. How is it that Graham Mertz still has to run to the sideline to get the plays, but when Chase Wolf came in, he did not have to do that? Do, do, do you understand? It's my, it, well, I think I think one situation was in a two minute drill, and the other one was not. I, that that is because uh, against uh, against Minnesota, Chase was coming to the coming to the sideline to get the plays. So. I, I, I think it had to do with the end of the end of the half situation because last week, or I should say, against Minnesota, in a similar two-minute situation, Graham was not coming to the sideline either. So I think it's I think it's when it's a two-minute situation uh, when you kind of have to be getting up to the line pretty quick, then it's not happening. Yeah. But I'm... otherwise, I have every other team in the country has been able to figure out a way to get plays in without uh, right without the team stealing them. And Wisconsin, for the last month of the season, could not do it, and that. Um, yeah, that's that. That's something that, that the offense a lot has a lot to work on this off season. That may be the that's 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 in that group that yeah. they need to figure that out. All right, Zach. So uh, speaking of figure things out moving forward, you know, with um, uh, Wisconsin and the quarterback position, I have one more question about the game itself uh, on, on the QB position. You know, Graham Mertz said he got the wind knocked out of him after that hit, what in the second quarter, and he had to, that's why Chase Wolf came in. But if that's the case, why was Graham Mertz in there to do the quarterback sneak into the end zone and then Chase Wolf came in? Do you know? Like didn't even say anything think, in the interviews. No, they didn't. Well, we didn't. No, he didn't. He said he did get the wind knocked out of him. They they held him out because uh, because of, he had a concussion the the previous week, and they just wanted to make sure. I, I don't know. If, I don't know. It's it's irrelevant. I think that yeah. they wanted Chase Wolf to play. 
I think they wanted to give him that that series. Um, we saw it the same thing against Minnesota open the second half. We kind of thought, oh gosh, did Chase Wolf replace Graham Mertz? No, he didn't. Um, it's it's what they did. They they gave him. He's got a package of plays, and I have no idea why they kept him in there uh, after the, he ran a couple of, ran a couple of times, but uh, they did, and um, you know he throws the interception. So uh, you know, yeah, Graham Mertz. Well, okay, Graham yeah. Mertz is. is Graham Mertz is the quarterback. Yeah, speaking I mean, of Graham Mertz and being the quarterback and moving forward to next year, um, you know, Mertz mania hit its critical mass against Illinois, and then it was still there against Michigan, and then it kind of came, you know, kind of came down, right? Mertz mania now has kind of subsided. Moving forward, though, should we still be excited about Graham Mertz being quarterback? Because, hey, he didn't have Danny Davis. He didn't have Kendrick Pryor. There was a game canceled. You couldn't, you know, have consistency with practices. He had COVID. Is, or is we like, okay, maybe Graham Mertz isn't all we thought he was cracked up to be. Which, uh, what should we side on, you think? Well, you can side on whatever you want to side on. I'm going to side on the idea that he's still as gifted talent. Uh, he's as gifted physically as any quarterback that they've had. You know, right up there with Russell Wilson, he can throw every pass. He can make every throw. He's got. Uh, he's. He, you know, he's. He. He's got the accuracy. We haven't seen it a ton, but he's got. We've. <laughs> we. We have seen evidence of it, and uh, he's got a big arm. Like I mean, he's got everything that you want as quarterback. He's smart. He. Uh, he knows the offense. Like he knows where he needs to go with the ball at times. Uh, he. He's got all the talent in the world, but I think the off season and the spring practice that he missed last year was huge. He needed that. Uh, Wisconsin needs that. They are a developmental program, and to not have those 15 practices and everything that comes along with spring ball was huge, and to not have a regular fall camp was big. So I think anybody who wants to jump off that Graham Mertz bandwagon, you're more than welcome to, but I, I think the idea of giving him a full off season as the guy it's probably smart to do before you do that. Yeah, I agree with you. How about the running back committee for the Wisconsin Badgers moving forward? It was uh, hard to get a gauge on it, right? You know, I saw no Garendo, no Watson yesterday, but when they were playing, it was like, I don't know what's going on here. Then, you know, Jalen Berger comes out. He's got some impressive games. What's uh, the future like for that running back room for the Badgers? I think it depends. I mean, obviously, I think Jalen Berger's the star going forward. We'll see what happens with Garrett Groshek, whether he wants to return or not. Nikia Watson, um, we'll see, and Isaac Randall, we'll see. They have a couple of guys coming in, and they're also chasing um, a, a transfer from USC, Marquis Steep, or a step from uh, from Indianapolis. They went after him coming in. He was a four-star recruit. He's transferring out of USC, uh, Wisconsin, apparently among the front runners to get him. So they could be adding some talent to that spot. But I think Jalen Berger's the guy. Give him another, give him an off season where he doesn't have to deal with COVID, yeah. uh, you know, himself, and uh, we'll see. Again, it, I think Paul Chris, you know, said it after the game. There were there are a lot of things that happened this season that were not COVID bad, that were not COVID related, and they have to deal with those things. Yeah. Uh, and I think certainly, you know, along the offensive line, you know, getting the running game back to where it was. Uh, it may never be JT style, but you have to you have to be able to count on your running game when your passing game is struggling like it did this year. Totally. And well, they weren't able to do well, that. Will anything ever be JT style? He was statistically the best running back ever in a three year span in college football. I think that's a, that's kind of hard to live up to, is it not? 
Yes, Evo. All right. So, yeah, well, yeah, I guess you didn't really need to answer that, Zach. My apologies. Bad question. <laughs> bad, bad question. In 2021, I will not ask you bad questions anymore. All right, Zach, uh, looking at your Twitter account right now, and I had some fun with it. You had some fun with it as well. The Duke's Mayo Bowl trophy itself. I, I chuckled at your tweet. It says, oh, the old days, back when the trophy was in one piece. And that's a picture of uh, the Wisconsin Badgers on field holding up the trophy. And then another tweet you have is Graham Mertz partying in the locker room or dancing around the locker room with his teammates. And the trophy broke? Did Graham Mertz break it? Then we got to work on ball security? Or did it pop off? Like, what's going on with this Duke's Mayo Bowl trophy, Zach? It slid off because he, he got cut. He, uh, he had what he called a boo-boo when he came and talked to the media yesterday. He had uh, his hand all uh, taped up because it, when it slid off, it cut him. And so I, I don't know what the deal with that trophy is. But as, we, as I said before, it would be off-air. That's way too nice of a trophy for that bowl game. Like a Waterford crystal ball that usually is, I mean, that's what the national champion gets, yeah. or uh, it used to be. Um, or is that the Big Ten trophy I'm thinking of? I don't know. One of the two. I mean, they, they have, like, really, really nice ball that's like a Waterford crystal. And yes. That was, that was just way too nice of a, of, a, of a trophy for that bowl game. And, uh, you know, it gave – I'll say this. I think the trophy that they had after the, the crystal ball, I think the – just a mayo bottle. Yeah, with that the red gaff trophy. tape taped on. It was kind of a better trophy. It, I, that's how it should have been to begin with. I said that yesterday before the bowl game. Like, that should be the trophy. Or like a, yeah. maybe a Waterford Crystal uh, mayonnaise jar. Like, that's yeah. what and, it should how, be. Embrace your name. Right. And how big of a disappointment was it for that tub of uh, oh, that Gatorade cooler not to be filled with mayo? I th- they need the, to go back and dump mayo on Paul Crest. At the very least. Packets of mail? Like, I mean, do something. You right? can't just, that, that can't be Gatorade right, or water or whatever. Play along with me, Zach. If Paul mm-hmm. Chris does get a tub of mayo dumped on him after the game, do you think mm-hmm. he would go to the podium and say he appreciated it? <laughs> well, he was very appreciative of the opportunity to come and go to the bowl game and, and speak with the uh, reporters afterwards. Yeah. Uh, we have appreciative and uh, was was one of the first words out of his mouth. There, I think so. um, the the biggest winner out of this bowl game was Duke's Mayo. I mean, it's it was it's front page news about Graham Mertz yeah. breaking that trophy. Yeah. Duke's Mayo yeah. is the real winner here. Let's, yeah, let's they have a, and, right, and they have a a really good social media team. Yes, they do. Was working on working with the bowl game, so that that helps too. But yeah, Graham Mertz breaking that trophy is probably the best thing possible for that for them. Zach, uh, Hal- yeah, no doubt about it. Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now. Zach, let's switch gears a little bit here now to what's happening this afternoon at 3.30. Wisconsin basketball is welcoming in the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Can the Badgers get back in that win column in the Big Ten, or we should be a little nervous because it, it is the Big Ten and it's another top 25 team coming in in the Gophers? I think you, you're legally required to put red hot in front of Minnesota at this point. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they beat Iowa in overtime, and then they went and stumped, or they – I guess Michigan State came to them and they stopped them. It was uh, an embarrassing loss for, for Tom Izzo the last time out. Minnesota's playing really, really well. Wisconsin, obviously, the last time out did not. So can Wisconsin uh, play? I mean, Minnesota's going to challenge them on the defensive end just, just like Maryland did. Uh, they've, they've put up at least, I think they've scored 65 points in their first Big Ten game, but they've been over 80 in every other game that they've played the last uh, six or so. So it's going to be a, a tough defensive task for Wisconsin, but you would imagine that they would play with a little bit more fire after what happened the other night. Right. I don't know if that's the case or not, but we'll see. And then, you know, get back to, you know, hitting over 40% from three. Uh, that, that, that is your, your team this year. So you, you better do it. 
uh, and they and didn't do that throws. against Maryland. And yeah. free throws, dude. Hit, hit, hit your free throws, hit your three-point shots, and uh, uh, get something going in the post because Micah Potter and Nate Reavers were just not involved at all, and that is a problem, especially against a Maryland team that wasn't very big. So, yeah, get back to what you were doing. Get back to, to being the team that you are, and you'll be in the game. But Minnesota's playing really well right now. Wisconsin uh, – you know, needs to yeah. bounce back. Um, you know, I saw when Jonathan Davis was on the court, very limited minutes uh, against Maryland, excuse me, but when he was on the court, I think his plus-minus was plus 10, I want to say. Uh, do you think we'll see more of the true freshman, Jonathan Davis, moving forward just because he, he's got that extra gear that I don't think uh, uh, we're used to seeing as uh, we're, someone wearing a Wisconsin basketball uniform? I do, as long as he stays out of foul trouble. Yeah. And uh, that, that was an issue for him the other night. So stay out of foul trouble, and yeah, he'll be on the court a ton uh, because he is – as athletically gifted as anybody they have on the team. And, uh, he's also got like a, his offensive mentality is attack, and they don't have a ton of those guys. So, yeah, I do think we'll, we'll see him a bunch. Uh, Zach, I want to wish you a uh, you know happy New Year, my friend. Twenty twenty, you, you know when you came on the show, you said it was great, it was fantastic. You know it was all everything went right, everything went swimming, swimmingly and well. So I hope twenty twenty one is the same for you, my friend. You have any big plans tonight? You gonna go uh, you know out and partying, raging with thousands of people, or are you gonna just uh, stay in uh, with the with the, the the pooch and the missus? Just staying in, man. Where, where are you going? <laughs> I'm staying home. I got some steaks, yeah, okay. some crab legs. Um, I don't have a place to. What are we doing? I mean, what's going on here? Nothing. I was just being sarcastic. I, what yeah. I wanted to have you say We're is... We're bringing the party to your place. There we go. That's what I was trying to get at, Zach. I'm bringing the Nelly, steaks. I'm bringing to, the crab legs. Why don't, we, why don't we go to Nelly's place? His parents will let us t- hang out in the basement, right? <laughs> I'll set up a card table. Well, uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the after bar will be there, okay? Okay. We'll, just, we'll get a DD. We'll get Nelson's Sounds sister good. to give us a drive, a ride. <laughs> Zach, have yourself a wonderful night, man, and uh, a happy new year. We'll talk to you. Ready for this? Next year. (laughs) See you, Zach. See you, buddy. All right, there he is, our sports director, Zach Halperin. Let's go to Vegas, our gambler to the stars, my man Raphael. Raph, what's up, brother? How we living? Pretty good. Uh, Happy uh, young uh, New Year's. But if you live in Australia, it's already 2021 for you guys. Raph, how was... uh... You know, when it comes to Vegas, they, I mean, everyone got hit hard in 2020, right? Vegas, my God, just took it on the chin multiple times. Knockout blow after knockout blow. How was 2020 for you and for uh, the, the, the bettings, Raphael? Uh, I hate to say it, but for me, it was actually uh, uh, a decent year. I mean, well, good. Uh, after, every, after everything got shut down, I mean, my business kind of rubbed up just because everybody wants just anything that you can bet on. So, I, you know me, I was doing betting odds on pretty much everything, Russian table tennis to chess matches to entertainment. <laughs> were, you so, doing marble? were you doing marble racing? Yeah, I was doing marble racing. I mean, so for me, it, <laughs> my... My business actually boomed and and it continues. I mean, well, good so man. I, I guess that's what happens when you do outrageous betting props and people continue to bet on that uh, crazy stuff. Well, there's nothing to be sorry about there, Raphael. I mean, 2020 as much as it sucked. Yes, I had a phenomenal year. It's all perspective. It's how uh, you think about it. You know, right? It's uh, yeah. There was a bunch of BS in my life happening, but I chose not to let it drag me down. You know, so it's all about yeah. how you adapt and adjust. Yeah, I, a perfect example. I mean, I, that's why you look at some of these restaurants when they, if they change their demeanor and how they run it, they're still open running business. I've talked to a couple of people that run restaurants saying they had, they've had a really good 
uh, a summer and winter and just because of how they changed their perception and how they ran their business. So yeah. it, it, I totally agree with you. All right, Raphael. Well, let's uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions, by the way? Mine is uh, I already do this, but I'm going to do it more. Yeah, sleep more, drink more water, eat more vegetables and don't be a wussy. Do you have any? I'm not a big New Year's resolution because why? Uh, my goal is why set something up if it's gonna fail uh, by G- by January 5th. <laughs> well, I'm already doing mine anyways. I'm just hammering on them home, you know. Uh, all right, Raf. So I guess one of my New Year's resolutions is maybe to throw down some uh, money, bet a little more because uh, Nelly over here gives us good advice. You give us some great advice as well. Let's look at the NFC, my friend. I don't even know how to quantify uh, what's going on with the Vikings and the Lions when it's a game like this. Do you stay away, or is there an opportunity to make money? As I see, the Vikings are favored by seven at uh, Ford Field. This is one that you might want to stay away, because I wouldn't shock me if the Giants, or I'm sorry, the Vikings win this one, but maybe not cover. And the interesting factor is the Detroit news. What's going to happen afterwards? Do we see Stafford wear his Detroit Lions jersey for the last time? I heard he's uh, probably something that New England Patriots are going to look at. Uh, oh. We've all heard the rumors before that se- before the season started. So really? uh, I think the story after this game is probably going to be more intriguing than anything else. Because yeah, I think the Vikings, uh, they've had a-, a COVID year. I think they'll rebound and play better next year. All right, Raph, um, I'll save the other NFC matchups for the end here. Obviously, that's Packers-Bears. But, dude, the NFC East is so hilarious and it's such it's like a car accident you got to keep looking at it right you got to like you know bottleneck everyone and look around the Cowboys and the Giants so let's say the Washington football team loses and the Cowboys beat the Giants the Cowboys are then in we'll start the Cowboys Giants where Dallas is favored by three points big Mike that I'm seeing what happens at MetLife Stadium I like the Cowboys, and I think Cowboys are going to teach a lot of NFL teams let's go what to, what to do with a backup quarterback. They signed Andy Dalton. They gave him a lot more money than normal backup quarterbacks, and we all made fun of him. I can't believe they did it. And now look who's laughing. I'm Dallas are pretty much almost one win away to win the NFC East, even though we have the uh, Washington football team minus 130 to win the division. But the Cowboys are plus 220. Give me the Cowboys at plus 220. Yeah. All right, Raph. Um, I am. I want to see Big Mike and the Red Rifle squeak into the playoffs just because I would love to see them come to Lambeau Field if they pull like a first-round upset and then he's got to play against the Packers. I think it would be phenomenal. But in that, uh, I can't believe this is Sunday primetime. The football team versus the terrible Philadelphia Eagles. Well, it's the NFC East. are all bad. Uh, Washington, like you said, favored in this game. Do you see Washington getting the win and getting into the playoffs? No, I like the Eagles in this game. I like the plus points with Philly. Uh, Washington, we have still no idea who's going to be their quarterback. If you have no idea in this big magnitude game, I mean, if it's Smith, how healthy is he? If it's the backup quarterback to deliver my pizza last night, I mean, I give me the Eagles plus the points because the Eagles don't want to give Washington the division. They don't want to do that. I I like the home team. Oh, Raph, I can't. Could you imagine Big Mike and the Cowboys? All right, like, all right, Big Mike's former team. Now Matt LaFleur's team, the Green Bay Packers, a lot riding on the line. you got Aaron Rodgers right now, frontrunner MVP. You have the uh, number one seed in the NFC. You have the Bears fighting to potentially make the playoffs. Packers, I see right here, favored by five and a half. What does Raphael think happens as Aaron Rodgers in, historically owns the Chicago Bears? What happens? I'm just going to say one stat and one stat only, and you'll know who I like in this game. The Green Bay Packers are 16-5 and five against the spread in Chicago, the last twenty times they played, and you're trying to tell me Trubinsky is going to outduel Aaron Rodgers? 
No. I don't I don't think so. No. Give me give me go pack go. I haven't started drinking champagne yet, Raphael. I can't tell you that Trubisky's gonna outduel Rogers. I'm not that I'm not even buzzed. I'm not drunk. I there's I don't think I could be drunk enough to tell you that that would happen. Raph, love it, my brother. Um Vegas. What's going on in Vegas for uh New Year's? Are you guys just kinda just chilling at home and trying to make it till yeah. midnight? Uh, chilling at home, watch some uh, late college basketball. You got USC tonight late. You got the Utah Jazz playing late. So I'll be watching that. So it's sad that there's no late college bowl game because the one guy game got canceled. And I'm really sad that tomorrow on New Year's Day, there's no NHL hockey. I always look forward to watching NHL on January 1st. Uh, and there's no hockey tomorrow, but we've got some good bowl games. Can't touch down Jesus, maybe pull the upset tomorrow and win Alabama. 2020 rolls over, maybe. Whoa. All right, Raph, um, did you watch the Mayo Bowl by chance yesterday, the Badgers versus um, Wake Forest? Uh, yes, and I, I'm going to talk to every uh, Wisconsin Badge fan that is listening right now. I want to say thank you, uh, thank you, thank you, because uh, we cleaned up on that game because <laughs> everybody and anybody was a Demon Deacon better. So really? I want to uh, say everybody in Wisconsin, thank you for your Badgers. Uh, for covering because we made a buttload of money. Well, Raphael, I'll get in contact with Duke's Mayo. They can send you a trophy as well. How's that sound? I just want a piece of it. I don't want the whole trophy. Just give me one of those glass pieces. I, I can maybe make a necklace out of it. Oh, or, okay, or how about this? We'll send you a bottle of Duke's Mayo. Uh, I've never tried Duke's Mayo. I didn't even, I didn't even heard of Duke's same, Mayo. Same, a, same for us. We never even knew it existed until this bowl game. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Duke hater, so if it's a Tar Heel Mayo, maybe I'll eat, eat that. Oh, hey, 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 real quick. Speaking of basketball, Wisconsin Badgers versus uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, 330, Cole Center. Does Bucky get a little win? bit too A little bit too high of a number. I think the Badgers win, but I think uh, Minnesota covers. It should be a fantastic game. I can't wait to watch that 9-1 versus 8-2 Badgers. Uh, Badgers win, Maryland covers. Raph, or, uh, Minnesota covers. I love it. Raph, we love you here, brother. We love uh, everything you bring to this show, and uh, we wish you a happy new year, my friend, and we'll see you in 2021. Take it easy, guys. Happy New Year. Stay safe. There he is, our guy, VSI Doc Sports on Twitter. Raphael, all the way from the desert there.